Well, happy Easter, everybody. I'm Steve Hogg, pastor at First Baptist Church in Rock Hill. Excited you've joined us for today's uh, telecast. The message you're listening to was actually preached two weeks ago on the importance of prayer. And here's what I want you to know. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you when you pray for other believers. So stick around, listen to God's word. He's going to encourage your heart. Uh, this morning we're going to be talking about the importance of prayer in our lives as followers of Christ. And Research tells us consistently that a small majority of Americans pray on a regular basis. In fact, uh, one recent study said that uh, 55% of Americans pray every day. And that's not simply people who go to church. That's average, ordinary Americans. That's everybody. And uh, survey after survey for the past several years has said somewhere between 50-55% the people make that claim that every day they pray. I want to show you some of the things they pray for in this latest survey. I'm not sure how much of that you can read, but family and friends was the number one thing that people pray for, people we know ourselves and those that are closest to us. And then uh, for some of the problems and difficulties that we and our loved ones are, are having and on and on it goes. But uh, what the research indicates is that the majority of our prayers are for ourselves and those in our immediate family and those who we would consider our closest friends. And that's all good. But as followers of Christ, our prayers are to be broader than that. And so I want to begin by asking you a question. Do you regularly pray for other believers? Similar to what we did a few moments ago when we got on our knees at the altar and prayed for other believers. And when you pray for other believers, what do you pray for? That's very common for us to pray for people we know who are struggling with a, a health issue or somebody perhaps needs a, a job. They've got some kind of problem in their life, some challenge they're facing. Maybe their marriage is struggling or they have a rebellious teenager or a young adult in their life. And it's, it's very common for us to pray for those things in one another's lives and and that's good. But I want to ask you a follow-up question. Here, here's this. The first one is simple, but, but think about it. Does the New Testament teach that we're supposed to pray for other believers? What do you think? All right. If it does teach that we're supposed to pray for other believers, what does it say we're supposed to pray about when we pray for them? Not asking what do we normally pray when we pray for other believers. I'm asking what does the New Testament teach we should be praying about when we pray for other believers. Take your Bible and open it with me to the book of Ephesians, please. Chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, this is a letter Paul wrote to the Christians in the church in the city of Ephesus while he was in prison. So, Keep that image in your mind that he's writing this letter and what he says in here, he says while he's in jail, okay? So he's not at a place in life where everything is, you know, going well. He's been arrested and his life is at risk. And so he writes them this letter to encourage them. And I want us to begin in chapter 6 by looking first at one verse, verse 18. He said, with all prayer and petition... Pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for whom? 
all the saints. And so, yeah, you already know this, but this verse makes it clear. We're supposed to pray for one another. We're supposed to pray for other believers, not just ourselves, not just our family, not just our close friends. We're, we're to pray for our family, pray for our friends. But as followers of Christ, we, we see the world differently. We increasingly see it through the eyes of God from His perspective. And that means the, 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 the people we care about and the people we pray for and the people we want to influence, it's broader than the narrow circles that we sometimes draw around ourselves. And so He says, pray for all the saints. That's pretty broad, isn't it? All the saints. Pray for the church. Pray for the kingdom of God. Pray for the people of God. Everyone you encounter who's a follower of Christ. But how are we supposed to pray for them? What does the New Testament teach? What are we supposed to pray about? Well, it's interesting. The context and you'll remember that when you do Bible study, context is essential to a proper interpretation. What does it say before? What does it say afterward? Don't simply lift a verse out in isolation. You'll misunderstand it often if you do that. So you look at context. And the context, you back up a few verses. And if you go back to verse 10, notice what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul is saying to these Christians in the city of Ephesus, be strong, be spiritually strong in Jesus. Have his strength, his might, his power in you. And he says to do that, you need to do something. Beginning at verse 11, this well-known passage where he says, put on the full armor of God. And he goes on to describe the uniform, if you will, that a Roman soldier would wear describes it piece by piece and associates each piece with, a, with an aspect of the Christian life and Christian truth. And he says we need to put all of that on, why in verse 11? So that you can stand firm against the schemes of the devil because Satan has tactics he's using to defeat you. It's a military picture. It's like we're in a war, if you will. We have an enemy out there, and he is planning, he is plotting. He has his war room scheming to destroy you and every other believer, to destroy you spiritually, to defeat you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he says, put on the armor of a good soldier so you can fight and win this spiritual battle. He makes it even more clear in verse 12. He says, our struggle is not against the flesh, it's not against blood. It's not against human individuals. But it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's against Satan, his demons, as they work in this world. And all the different schemes, all the different ways he works. And so the context, Paul says, is this. You and every other follower of Jesus Christ is engaged in a spiritual battle. It's a real war every day you get out of bed and leave your house. And Satan wants to knock you down spiritually. Next several verses talk about that armor. The last one being in verse 17 when he says, put on the helmet of salvation. And then he adds in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, 
looking back at everything he had just said, keeping it in view, in your eye, in your mind, on your heart, that every follower of Christ is engaged in a spiritual battle. You are engaged in it, and every brother and sister in Christ is engaged. And he said, with that in view, with that awareness, pray. Not just for yourself, but for all the saints. Here's how I picture that. All of us as Christians, each and every one of us, it's like we're in the army. We're in the Lord's army, okay? And we're the ground troops. We're the, we're the soldiers on the ground at the front line doing battle. And the prayers of God's people for one another and their spiritual lives, listen to me, those spiritual prayers, that's our air support. Because I tell you what, soldiers on the ground love it when the Air Force comes over and helps protect them. Your prayers for other believers is air support for them while they're on the ground doing battle with Satan and their arch enemy. And their prayers for you is air support as you do battle on the ground of life. Now, can you imagine not having that air support? Can you imagine doing battle with the greatest enemy you'll ever face and nobody's giving you air support and you're not giving anyone else air support because you don't pray for other believers and their walk with Jesus and they're not praying for you and your walk with Jesus? And so he says here, <clears throat> pray for all the saints. And he says, pray at all times, or the NIV translates, on all occasions. It's this idea of constantly being aware of and paying attention to the lives of others who know Jesus Christ. And seeing every encounter you have with another believer as an opportunity in your heart to whisper a prayer for them. To simply say a quick, brief prayer. This morning on the way to church, I prayed for three churches as I drove by them. Just sitting there with my eyes open in the car. God bless the preachers. He preaches and the people and save people and call people and do a work in there today. It's an awareness that when you see the churches of Jesus Christ, when you come across another believer in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, on all occasions and at all times, you're whispering a prayer for them because you know they're doing battle for your king. They're doing battle for your God. They're doing battle for your Jesus. And they're on your side in your army and they need your air support just like you need theirs needs to be an habitual thing within us that every occasion, every situation of every day is a prompt for us to pray. That's the reason he says pray in the Spirit. He's not talking about tongues. He's talking about praying prayers that are directed and guided by the Holy Spirit because when you are walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, He makes you aware of people other than yourself. If you don't think about anybody but you and those closest to you, you're not walking in the Spirit of God. Because He's going to help you see things and think things the way God sees them and thinks them. You're going to have His perspective on what's going on in this world and your vision is going to be for the kingdom of God, not just for your welfare on earth. 
for something bigger and more eternal and more important than what is just immediate. And so he says, with all of this in view, be on the alert. Pay attention. Notice people. Notice fellow believers. Be on the alert. What's going on in their life? Has it been three weeks since they were in Sunday school? Did you pray for them? Going through a challenging time, and have you prayed for them to do more than find a job? Have you prayed for them to stay strong in their faith? Be alert. When a husband and wife are no longer showing affection to one another in public, get your attention and pray for them because you care about them and you notice. Be alert. And he says, with all perseverance, don't give up, don't quit. Stay with it, keep at it. Like those of you who get up 5 o'clock every morning and go to the gym. Perseverance. More benefit because you do it daily and regularly and habitually and consistently. Right, Brother Bob? Same thing's true in your prayer life. Praying for other believers because we all need it every day. And then Paul adds in verse 19, he said, in addition to praying for all the saints, he said, pray for me, pray on my behalf, referring to himself, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul said, now, now get this picture, he's in jail, okay? He's in prison for the faith. And rather than being down and saying woe is me he says would you pray for me that while i'm in this prison i'll open my mouth and boldly fearlessly speak for jesus christ to the people i encounter in this place because wherever i am god has me there to talk about jesus christ pray that i'll have the boldness to do that you need people to pray that for you don't you because the truth is most of us chicken out more than we don't <laughs> we, we need people praying that we'll have some holy boldness to talk for Jesus out there in this world. And, and, and we need to be praying that others, other followers of Christ, will have the boldness to speak up for Christ. And so Paul's giving us some insight there. Uh, there there's a website called PrayForEveryHome.com. Uh, some of you, along with me, go to that site. We're registered. Any, anybody here can do it. It's free. And, and you can set the parameters and and every day you get an email with, with uh, three to five names, or you can choose how many, of your neighbors, their names and address, and you pray for them. This, this morning I prayed for four of my neighbors. Yesterday I prayed for four of my neighbors. And one of the things I pray for every time I go to that website and I get that email every day from them is, is I pray that God's people who live on that neighborhood, who live on that street, and, and sometimes I know some of our members that live, live there, and I'll pray for them individually, and I always pray, God, would you use your people in that neighborhood to be a witness to those neighbors? Will you give them the strength? Will you help them live a holy and godly life? Will you help them be friendly? Will you create opportunities for them to meet their neighbors and be a witness? Because I'm praying for them to do evangelism and be legitimate followers of Christ where they live. So there's some of you in this room, I pray for you to witness to your neighbors and you don't know I prayed for it. <laughs> That's what Paul's talking about here. 
Now let me take you to another passage because there's several places in Ephesians where he prayed for the Ephesian believers. Look at chapter 1, very beginning of the letter. You're going to see this occurs throughout his letter that he, he says, I'm praying for you and I want you to notice the things he prays about. And by the way, did you notice that back in chapter 6, he did not pray, he, he did not ask them to pray that he would get out of jail. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? Because I guarantee you that for me and most of us in this room, that's the first thing we'd ask people to pray for, isn't it? But you see, Paul had a different perspective. He saw things from God's viewpoint, that sometimes God has you somewhere for a higher purpose. Life is not simply about our comfort and success. As followers of Christ, it is about the purpose and the will and the kingdom of God. And sometimes that means we're uncomfortable because God says, I'm going to do something through you in that moment, in that place, if you can have the right perspective. It's hard to have that perspective if we can't see beyond our own little circle. And so Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 he says in verse 15, I've heard about your faith, and he was proud of them, how they loved the saints. And so he said in verse 16, as you see there on the screen, I do not cease giving thanks for you. He was thankful. That, you know, are, are you thankful for the people of God? Are you thankful for fellow believers? Now, can I be honest a minute? It's hard to be thankful for some of us, isn't it? Some of us are quirky. <laughs> All right. Maybe you're the, you're the quirky one. I don't know. But we need to be thankful for the people of God. Can you imagine where America would be if not for the people of God? Huh? We're all saints in this war, and maybe, maybe there's some saints out there who are a little bit quirky, and they've been wounded by the enemy. They need triage, not criticism. They need to love. You get, you get the point? Maybe, maybe they were wounded when they were a kid. There, there are people today who are 30 and 50 years old still carrying the scars of things that happened when they were young. He said, be thankful. I give thanks for you. I make mention of you in my prayers. Now, notice what he, what he prays in verse 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory... Notice this, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. He said, I'm praying that God makes you smarter than you are right now, spiritually speaking. I'm praying that God gives you wisdom and revelation, new insight, new understanding about Jesus and what it means to have a relationship with him. Praying for that other believer that they'll know Jesus better today than yesterday and tomorrow than today. That they, they gain new insights into their relationship and they grow in that understanding. He continues in verses 18 and 19. He's, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's as though we have two sets of eyes. These 
Nobody noticed my big glasses today. He hadn't said a word. My, my normal glasses, part of them broke, and Brother Britt out here, his office, they're getting them fixed. So I'm wearing my old pair today, okay? Big. I can, I can see all of you. These are so big. <laughs> but he says we have eyes in here. And the truth is, your ability to see in here is more important than your ability to see out here. Your perspective, your understanding. He, he's saying that on the inside, I pray you gain some new insight. So that you will know, in verse 18, that you will know experiential knowledge. What is the hope of his calling? There's three things in particular that he wants us to have insight and God's perspective on. The hope of our calling. That when, when, when God spoke to you and he called you into a relationship with him, it is into, it's, it's a calling filled with hope. And hope speaks of the future. Hope, hope speaks of something better to come. Hope, hope speaks of possibilities. And when you were called into your relationship with Christ, there's so much potential out there. And he's saying, I'm, I'm praying that you come to understand that the high calling of God in your life, the hope, the potential, the future, all that awaits you, all that God wants to do in your life. You know... Um, Part of that calling means that we're adopted into the family of God, he says earlier in chapter 1. And that because we're, we're an adopted member of the family of God, that we have an inheritance waiting for us in the heaven. Do, do you understand that uh, we all are born into different families? I, my father was a coal miner with a sixth grade education. We all, we're all born into different environments, Correct. We all come from, from uh, different places. Angie, I don't remember, but I think it was, it was Texas you, you grew up in, right? I, I visited Texas. Didn't grow up there. It's a different world. By the way, she makes some really good breakfast burritos. Well, she does. And what he's saying is whatever our background, what, whatever we were born into, it's, it's not like the old English society where if you're born into this class, that's all you'll ever be and you can't move out of it. Whatever our, our, our beginning, whatever our background, we have the same calling and each and every one of us is adopted into the family of God and are a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the God of eternity and we all have an inheritance as his child in heaven. We're all, we're all in the same family and he said let that reality fill your heart and life with hope so that the past does not define who you are. And we need to be praying those kind of prayers for that believer over here who's struggling with doubt and lack of confidence and who's made so many bad choices in the past. They beat themselves up every time they turn around. And, and every time somebody says, you can do better, they say, no, I can't because I never have. I've always failed. I'll always be a failure. And they need to understand that because God is in them, what they've done in the past does not have to be what they do in the future. 
We need to pray those kind of prayers for one another. But to do that, you've got to be alert and pay attention and get your eyes looking out a little bit bigger than the circle that's just narrowly around you. Pray for all the saints. I've got I to gotta hurry up. I'm going to run out of time. He says at the end of verse 18, the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Understand. He said, pray that, pray that they realize that, it, that their future, it, it is so rich. The glory of God awaits them. All the riches, all that inheritance, they don't have to settle for less down here. They, they, don't, have to, they don't have to compromise for something that lasts a little while. And in so doing, throw away something God has for them that lasts forever in heaven. He says, pray for them that they'll have that kind of view and understanding of, what, of, of who they are and, and what their future is so they don't, they, they don't settle for mediocrity in the here and now. He continues in verse 19. He said, also pray that you understand what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe that God's power at work in us is greater than we understand. It's the word for dynamite translated power there. It's the same power the Holy Spirit exercised when he raised Jesus from the dead. And God says that power is available to every believer to be transformed. And we need, we need to pray that those who say, I can't do it, realize, well, no, you can't, but God in you can. Do you get the picture of the kind of prayers he's praying for these Ephesian believers? It's, it's about this process of spiritual development, this process of being strong in Christ, this process of winning this spiritual battle. One more passage as I wrap it up. Turn to chapter 3. Here's, here's another place where he says, I pray for you. Chapter 3. Look at, look at uh, verse 14. He said, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And by the way, you know it's okay to get on your knees when you pray sometimes, don't you? doesn't mean you have to. It's not the only way, but there's something good about doing that from time to time. If it's been a long time since you got on your knees, go home today and get on your knees. And he said, when I get on my knees, here's what I pray for you in verse 16, that he, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory. You see that phrase again? God has so much abundance, it's easy for him to bless us if we'll, we'll just let him. He said, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit, where? In the inner man. See, you can be physically fit in your body, but spiritually so weak you get beat up all the time. And God wants you to be spiritually fit. On the inside, strong, because who we are on the inside usually determines what we do on the outside. How strong we are in here makes all the difference in the decisions we make at work and at home, in life. So pray that other believers will be spiritually strong through the Holy Spirit on the inside. On the inside. That they'll know that. That they'll know that. And um, a couple more verses in that chapter. Look at verse 17. So that Christ may, may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. I love that. 
it's the picture of a you know a tree with deep roots he said i'm praying that you are so rooted in jesus those roots run so deep that when the wind blows it can't knock you over and then he says grounded or established it's like the foundation of your house is solid and there's no cracks and because it's solid the house is solid so that's what i'm praying for you that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, that's a lot of words to simply say this. He says, I want you to be so filled with Jesus that your life is overflowing with the love of God. That's it. And the truth is, all of us, and I understand it because I'm human, I'm here, I get it. If we're not careful, we become so passionate about the now, so passionate about this moment about our physical life and our financial success and so on we become so passionate about those things we forget the greater things well see jesus would say unapologetically that eternity matters more than 60 years on earth and that spiritual life matters more than physical life because if it did not none of us would ever make great sacrifices for the kingdom of god It's an attitude of prayer. I mean, don't you get the sense from Paul's letter that's how he, the apostle of God, prayed for other believers? Why would we do less as followers of Christ? Christ. 